0: So, school starts tomorrow? Well, <laughs> kind of, right? Remember back when things, the things we worried about were uh, whether we had the right trapper keeper or the coolest blue jeans? Like, those were the things we worried about when school started? Yeah. Those were the days. <laughs> Definitely not this year. You know, I remember especially the excitement the fear, the wonder of elementary school. Hill Elementary was six blocks from my house in Austin, walking to school. I remember that incredible emotional mix of excitement and anticipation but also fear and wonder at what was going to happen. And I've started to think about this. I've also started to to recognize that that I went into that as an act of faith. That going to school as a kid is is an act of faith. We have faith in our teacher that that teacher is going to is going to teach us, is going to care for us, is going to is going to do what she needs to do for us, protect us. <clears throat> we have faith that um, in the system of the school. That it's, it's going to do what it needs for us. We showed up. We followed. We went through this in faith. And I think that's one of the things that makes this year so hard. Is It's not just that it's dangerous, but it's almost a break in faith. It's almost a break in our faith in the way that school is done that makes this hard. Now look, I know this isn't a perfect analogy. Because today we're going to be talking about faith, talking about believing. We've, We've talked, this is the third week that we've, as Grace Church, have gone through the idea of belonging. And then last week, Laura Holland did such a great job talking about becoming. This week we talk about believing. And I know going to school and having faith in a way of that is not the perfect analogy, but it moves it out of the realm of the theoretical into the practical with that. We all believe something. The question is not, are you going to have faith or don't you have faith? The faith is, what are you going to have your faith in? What are you going to believe? And how strongly are you going to believe it? And then the question becomes, well, then how do we build our faith? How do we get faith? How do we believe? So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. But first of all, I recognize, especially if you're a parent, if you're a teacher, um, if you work with university students, that there's a lot of fear around this year with that. So I I just want to take a minute and recognize that and and pray for all those that are either learning at home and trying to figure that out through virtual academy, whether you're a teacher and you're welcoming students. Whether, like I said, whether you work with university students, or your administration, your school board member, um, we want to pray. So join me in doing that. God, help us to help us to cast all our fear upon you. Help us to focus our our faith, our hope. Not in our own abilities, not in the abilities of, of even systems, but in you. And God, have mercy. Have mercy on those who you have no choice. Would would rather not be either sending their kids to school or welcoming students, but, but have to. God, have mercy on them. Have mercy on our kids, our teachers, our administrators, all those that work within our school systems. And help us to understand this morning also what it means to believe. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, when we talk about believing, when we talk about believing at the end, that we don't, it's not believe, become belong. We talked about this the first week. But it is belong believe. What do we mean? Well, we have to understand that our faith guides and is defined by how we live our lives. And this faith starts with experiencing God's faith in us. You see, we need to understand faith as something that we develop. It's not just dropped on us. It's not something we either have or don't have. It's something that's developed and is developed in us. We need to understand the evidence, the means, the confession, the encouragement, and ultimately the originator, perfecter, and end of our faith. Well, so let's start with the evidence of our faith. Because as I said earlier, the question is not whether we have faith or we don't. The question is what is our faith producing? What does it look like? What's the evidence of our faith? Is it just that we can confess something with our mouth? Or is it something that defines our very actions? When Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy, he says this. He says, the aim of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. That love is the product. Love is the product of our faith. Do you have faith? Do you want to know if you have faith? or How's your love? What do you love? How strongly do you love that? How truly do you love that? You see, in a way, our faith is always on display. Faith is not anything that can be hidden. Because faith defines our actions. It defines our affections. It defines our affiliations. It It is what motivates us and works in us and through us. It's evidenced in our lives. And the goal of our faith is to have a life that is marked by love, by the fruit of the Spirit, by proper attachment affiliations, allegiances. So that's the evidence of our faith. We can. It's not something that's, that is just off there. No, it's something that is inseparable from how we live. Well, what is the means of our faith? If that's the evidence of our faith, what's the means? Well, Ephesians, again, Paul writing to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 2, says, for by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, for it is not from work, so that no one can boast. So here we see that, that faith is a gift as well. It's a grace. But again, this doesn't mean that we're passive in response. It's something that needs to be practiced. Faith is something that needs to be nurtured, that needs to be guided. And we've talked about this a lot at Grace Church before, but grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. And that's why it's so important to understand that even though we're responsible to nurture this faith, to grow this faith, um, it ultimately doesn't start with us. That that faith starts as a gift. It is maintained by the grace of God. As we were talking this week uh, in the teaching team, Becky Irvin made the comment that many people see her riding her bike and doing all these incredible trips. And they come to her. And they're like, okay, well, okay, will you show me how to do this? Will you get me outfitted? Will you you set it up for me? And what she's come to see is there are people who who basically want her to do everything for them. Like, they want it to be perfect before they even start. Well, y'all, that's not the way you learn how to ride a bike. That's not the way you learn how to go out and trust yourself on bike Learn it by doing it with that, and and that's what we do with our faith. Is we have to put it into practice. We have to challenge it. We have to do that. Put the effort into it for it to grow. Um, again, Paul, when he talks about faith to the Philippians, he says, "Work out your faith with fear and trembling. Work it out. It's not something. Even though it is a gift, it's also not something that we're passive when we receive." So that's the means of our faith. There's also the confession of our faith. Because we need something to help define what it is we're, we're about, what it is we're focusing on. And at Grace Church, we've chosen to use the Nicene Creed. We talk a lot about at Grace that, that we have a, a central tenet that we focus on in everything else we practice. Because we recognize that Christianity has been practiced for 2,000 years all over the world. Various cultures and religions, or languages, not religions, but various languages and cultures. And that there's been a lot of disagreement on, on how properly to do that. But for almost 1,500 years, the church has accepted the Nicene Creed as a definition, a confession of what it means to be a Christian. And so we adopt that as our confession. We know it's not perfect, but it's, it's accurate enough for us to have a point where we can say, yes, if you agree with this, we can be in fellowship with you. And we may disagree on a host of other things, and we may practice differently, but, but our confession is reflected in the Nicene Creed. And that's why we use it at Grace Church. And you can find that on our website. We have it there if you've never read it before. Well, So that's the evidence of our faith, the means of our faith, the confession of our faith. But we can't do it alone, y'all. So we need the encouragement of the faith. And this is where we see the, what they call the great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 11, where they talk about all the heroes of the faith, how they live. You see, because faith is personal, but it's never private. None of our faith is private. It it is personal. We all need that personal experience, and it all comes through our personality. But, But faith is never private. It's always on display, and it's never practiced alone. Our faith is never going to be what it needs to be. We're never going to believe as we ought alone. We need to practice our faith with others. We need the encouragement of the saints who have come before us, those that are listed in the Bible, those that we read about throughout Christian history, but also those who are gathered with us. In our homes, our businesses, in our churches, our community groups. We need that encouragement of the faith that comes from practicing our faith together. Well, the last thing, and maybe the most important thing, is we need to understand the originator, the perfecter, and the end of our faith. And that's Jesus. John wrote this. He quoted Jesus When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is where we root our faith. Ultimately, is in the person of Jesus. The life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. That's where our faith starts. That's who perfects it. And that's the goal of it. You know, I, I just did a wedding. A couple of weeks ago, and one of the things that I've taken in the ceremony is I'll have these two young kids look at each other with their goo-goo eyes on their wedding day. I always have the best seat at weddings. It's awesome to get to sit there and look in the and <laughs> groom's eyes. I love it. And I'll turn, often I'll turn to the husband and the wife, and I'll start by saying something like, Scott, faith is knowing. that Abby is the best possible choice for you as a wife, as a lover, as a friend. Because faith is how your marriage is going to be sustained. And then I'll turn it around, right, with that. Tasha, faith is knowing that Cody is a gift from God. And to withhold anything from him is to deny the goodness of God in your life. Because faith is what sustains those things, and and in a way, that's what we're doing with Jesus. Is we're we're making this confession, we're making this pledge, and we're saying, Jesus, you are the best possible option. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. That that there is no one else besides you. Jeff brought that up in the teaching team this week. It was great. It's like his marriage vows. We not only pledge ourselves to the person, but we we say this thing, forsaking all others. And that's our goal, is that when we get to the place, we confess it, but we also know that it's still out there. It's still beyond us in our humanness to by ourselves. We still have to reach for it. To go, no, I forsake everything else for Jesus. We confess it, yes, we start with it, but we're also always reaching towards it. It's a daily practice of saying no to everything else, and yes to Jesus, in the faith that Jesus is the best possible option, and to withhold anything from Jesus, to withhold our affection, to withhold our allegiance, our affiliation, is to be faithless in that. See, ultimately, our faith rests first in being chosen. Believing believes that we're believed in. Believing starts with the faith that Jesus is invested in us. It doesn't start with us believing in Jesus. We don't create faith. We're always responding to it. We're always responding to that call of Jesus on our lives. And that's why we start with belonging. That's why we start with welcoming. It's because that's what God has done with us. God loved us while we were yet sinners, while we yet didn't have faith or we had faith in something else or someone else. God said, no, I believe in you. I choose you. I love you. And the becoming is is learning how to live as if that's true. That's the becoming, is is forming our life in a way that responds to that being chosen. And that's why it leads to that belief. It leads to that faith. That faith that we already have, but now we focus it, we place it in Jesus, and we nurture and strengthen it so that it becomes the defining thing about who we are. That's what it means to believe. The German theologian, Jürgen Moltmann, in his book, The Source of Life, wrote this. He said, The ultimate reason for our hope is not to be found at all in what we want, wish for, and wait for. The ultimate reason is that we are wanted and wished for and waited for. What is it that awaits us? Does anything at all await us or are we alone? Whenever we base our hope on the trust of the divine mystery, we feel deep down in our hearts there is someone waiting for you who is hoping for you, who believes in you. We are waited for as the prodigal son in the parable is waited for by the father. We are accepted and received as a mother takes her children into her arms and comforts them. God is our last hope because we are God's first love. Jesus. It's the start of Factor in the ends of our faith. That is what we are becoming, is believers in that truth. So Bailey, you want to come back up? And uh, we're going to take communion now. Communion is evidence of that welcome. Communion is evidence of that faith. Communion is something we do in response to what has been done for us. We come to the table believing that we are welcome. Believing that Jesus is giving himself to us freely, lovingly. And we accept that so that we can do the same with others. This is also a time to respond. That listening to these words shouldn't be something that's passive. That there's something that's been moved in you, stirred in you, that you need to act on. We invite you now to write that down, or tell someone, or text it, or do something with it, but act on it. Finally, we invite you to join with us in worship by offering. The website will be there on the side of the live feed. But we give because it's a recognition that everyone here has something to give. Even if it's little, everyone has something to give. But also we give because we recognize all of us as have needs. None of us is complete of ourselves. We all need to share. And giving and receiving is a mark of worship in the kingdom. So we invite you to do that today. So wherever you are, I invite you to join with around the table the church throughout history and whoever you're with right now to take the bread which Jesus said this is my body which is broken take and eat and this is my blood which is poured out as a sign of the new covenant take and drink